Let us go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Holy Father, hallowed be Thy name. We thank You for the assembly of the saints. We thank You for the freedoms that we still have to be able to assemble in this capacity and pray that we might ever have this blessing all the days of our lives. I pray that you would bless us with a spirit of holy reverence as we continue in this worship And I pray, my Father, that the things that are said would be in harmony with Your Word and that it would be obviously to Your honor and to Your glory and that You might sanctify it to each one of our hearts. We know that only You can apply the Word in such a way that it would be beneficial to our souls. We read Your Word. We studied Your Word. And so often in doing so, it's kindly like routine. We don't want it to be that way. But our flesh is weak. Even our Lord said that the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak when referring to His disciples. And we realize the weakness of our own selves. Sometimes in our own private devotions, it seems like that we can hardly read one or two verses without our minds straying away into various and sundry things. And when we finish, we wonder what we have read, though we may have read the verses and the chapters many, many times. And we know that it can be that way as we assemble together. And we ask that you would tabernacle among us according to your promise. For you have said that where two or three are met together, there you are in the midst. And we trust that you are with us and ask our Father that you would bless the Word to have abiding influence in the souls of all of us who hear. Again, we would pray for 
thy people wherever they meet. And bless the, mem the ministers as they speak. Some, no doubt, have already had their worship services. Others will follow after according to the respective time zones. Thank you once again for the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is in His name we pray. Amen. We come back to 1 John, and we're still looking basically at the first three verses, but uh, since it's been a while since we've spoke on this, I want to read the the whole chapter of first, chapter one again. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have ha looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you uh, that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Christ Jesus. Or Jesus Christ, excuse me. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship uh, uh, with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We're looking primarily on this first verse, and we were looking at it somewhat when we left off, but uh, when he talked about that, <coughs> excuse me, that which was from the beginning, and we're looking at which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now remember that uh, one of the things, and most likely the central thing that John wrote his epistle was to show that the Gnostic era of Jesus not having a real body was indeed a heresy. Notice it says, we, we saw Him, 
We heard him. We not only saw him, but we looked upon him. And we'll look at the difference in that somewhat. And we have handled him. We have handled him. You don't handle the spirit. You don't handle a phantom. And we see that there's different things in this that we need to uh, keep in mind. It's one thing to hear. Uh, I've heard uh, sermons on tape by different people. Uh, uh, one major sermon by R.G. Lee was called Payday Someday. And uh, I've heard that. It's probably been played more times than he preached it. But uh, anyway, I've, I've heard that. I've heard tapes by men like Martin Lloyd-Jones and other renowned men throughout uh, Christianity. However, these, particularly John, he heard Christ in person. He heard Him in person. He heard Him with His own ears. He not only heard the voice from heaven by God declaring Jesus to be the Son of God, but they heard Him speak Himself. They heard Him speak parables. They heard Him speak when He uh, called Lazarus forth from the grave. Wouldn't that be something to have been there and heard? Think of all the things. You know, John said in his Gospel that if everything that Jesus did was written, he supposed the world would not be able to contain all that was written. Think about all the things that Jesus said. And think about the many, many things that He said that's not recorded for us. He was a real, living individual that spoke and spoke audibly. They heard Him uh, not only preach sermons, they heard Him after His resurrection. For 40 days after He was resurrected, He walked among His disciples and spoke to them and taught them about things that are to come. And as He walked along the way to the Mount of Olives, you wonder what His last words were before He ascended back to glory. But they heard it. John said, we heard Him. We heard Him. But not only have we heard Him, but we saw Him. I've never seen R.G. Lee. I've seen pictures of him. I've never seen Martin Lloyd-Jones. But I've seen pictures of him. Read books and read about his biography and things of that nature. But in 1980, in fact, it was in August of 1980, I was in Dallas, Texas, 
at the National Affairs Campaign addressed on religious liberty, and I heard and saw Ronald Reagan. I was there. I saw him. And oddly, while I'm thinking of it, uh, it was interesting that in his speech, he made mention of uh, two men in particular, Roger Williams and uh, uh, Isaac Backus. I thought that was unusual. But I was there. I saw him. Now, at that whole, <laughs> uh, at that whole convention, I was down pretty close to the front, uh, seven and eight rows back from the stage. <laughs> but when President Reagan came, well, he wasn't president at that time, but when Ronald Reagan came in, uh, I got moved all the way back to the balcony <laughs> because all the newsmen got to sit where I was sitting. But I saw him. The point is, I did see him. There was a man that started the Constitution Party of the United St uh, uh, for Presidency by the name of Howard Phillips. I not only heard him speak, uh, I saw him. And his vice presidency, uh, the man that ran with him twice for vice president, uh, Al Knight, General Al Knight, I not only saw him and heard him speak, uh, I knew him personally and uh, spent time with him uh, on one of his walks one time for 45 minutes talking about the things of God. Oddly enough, this uh, retired colonel from the army was also an Episcopalian priest. And so uh, we have much to talk about with regarding the Word of God. <clears throat> There's another man that's well known in religious circles, in some religious circles particularly, by the name of R.J. Rushdoony. I saw him. I heard him. I actually sat with him and at a meal and spoke and uh, talked with him. And there are other men <coughs> of the past that I have... Uh, we could go on and on and list different people that we have heard we, we saw, we were there. Uh, some people that we heard and saw, uh, we were not in person. For example, I've seen news reels and news uh, videos of men like Churchill and others. I saw them, not in person, and I heard them. Real, real living entities. Real living entities, not only seen, not only heard, but seen and heard. I like what John Gill said about this. He said, with the eyes of the body, with their own and not another's. And they saw him in human nature and the common actions of the life he did as eating, drinking, walking, etc. And his many miracles, they saw him raise the dead, cleanse the leper, 
Restore sight to the blind. Cause the lame to walk, the dumb to speak, and the deaf to hear. And they saw His glory. Excuse me. They saw Him transfigured on the mount. John was one that was present at that time and saw His glory as He also was when He hung upon the cross and saw Him bleeding, gasping, and dying there. They saw Him after His resurrection from the dead. He showed Himself to them alive and was seen of them forty days. They saw Him go up to heaven and a cloud receiving Him out of their sight. John makes it plain and makes it clear this was not some ghost. This was not some phantom. This was not some figment of the imagination. This was not some Hollywood production. This was a real, live individual. But then John said, we looked upon Him. We looked upon Him. One thing I want to point out is the verb tense of this is was is in the middle voice. We have in our English active and passive. The Greek has a middle voice that is generally means that here when it says we saw him, I saw him myself. In other words, it's not uh, I did it, but it was something that was manifested to me. And John saw him. In other words, it's the idea we examined him. We not only just saw him. You know, I I didn't shake hands with Mr. Reagan. I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that close to him. But I saw him. But I didn't examine him. I wasn't with him in his life every day. I talked to Al Knight, some on the phone, visited with him for a while, but I wasn't with him day in and day out. John said we looked upon him. We were with him day in, day out. We saw him when he sat by the well and needed to be refreshed. And we went into town to get something to eat, come back, find him talking to a woman, and we wondered what that was all about. And he was refreshed in sharing the gospel. But he was weary at times. He was a man that was uh, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. John said we saw all of that. We not only saw Him with our eyes, but we investigated Him further. Think of it this way. Kindly a crude analogy, but maybe it will get the point across. Think of a biology lesson where the teacher talks about uh, dissecting a frog. 
Well, you hear that. You hear what it's all about. You might even have pictures showing how a frog would be diagram, uh, diagram, dissected. <laughs> then you watch the instructor dissect a frog. You don't have on hands experience. But you see it. You look upon it. Afterward, you're given a frog. And you pick it up. And you look at it. And you handle it. But then, you dissect it yourself. And you look at each part. You look at the muscles, the strong muscles of the leg, particularly the back legs. You look at the heart. You look at the liver. You look at the tongue. You look at all these different part, parts of it. Well, John, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is using every means to confirm the human nature of Christ. We heard Him. We saw Him. We examined Him. We handled Him. We handled Him. And yet, we need to be clear about all of this. There's much that we do not understand about the what's called in theology the hypostatic union of Christ. The children, I don't expect you to remember hypostatic, but if you do, that's good. But what it's talking about, the second person of the Trinity took upon Himself a human body and a human nature. You have one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had two natures, a divine nature and a human nature. We have a human nature. We are partakers of the divine nature, but we do not have the divine nature as Christ had it. Because He could say in His divine nature, I am God. We can't say that. When He said, I and my Father are one, the Jews took up stones to stone Him because He made Himself God. But when we talk about the divine nature and the human nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saying that uh, what uh, is said of either one of the natures can apply to both. We'll give you one example of that in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the congregation of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. God doesn't have blood. But Christ did. Christ purchased. Not as God but as the God-man. So you can see what's said of the one can apply to the other. But he still had a human body just like we do without sin. 
He ate. He got hungry. He was thirsty. He was a real human being. Now I cannot sanctify that truth to your soul. I can tell you about it, but only the Holy Spirit can make it special to you. We need to know the, 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 uh, the knowledge of it. And we need to never let go of that. There is a man in glory right now that walked upon this earth. And he so walked upon this earth that when he walked in the dust, it left footprints. Just as real as if you were walking in the dust. And when John and Peter were before the Sanhedrin, in Acts chapter 4, verse 20, it says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have Seen and heard. Seen and heard. Now why is it that John writes this for you, beloved? Why is this so important to you? That ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, beloved, do you consciously have fellowship with God in Jesus Christ? This truth of the hypostatic union, this truth of of the reality of the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and knowing this truth is essential to you having fellowship with Him. With Him. But notice he says in verse 2, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. This human Jesus, this human being, John says, was eternal life. Eternal life. Turn with me for just a moment in the Gospel of John, chapter 17. I really don't know how to explain what I'm going to read, as with many of the passages of Scripture. Here our Lord is praying 
It appears before he left the upper room when he had the Lord's Supper <coughs> and washed the disciples' feet. Because in verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, after he spoke these words, he went over with his disciples over the brook Kedron. But notice in John 17, 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, but notice this. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And notice this. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I wish I could show you that glory. John couldn't show it, but he could talk about it that you might have fellowship with Him. The life. 1 John 1-2 For the life was manifested. The life was manifested. Eternal life was manifested in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is life to you? What is your life? I believe back years ago when I was a child and at home, I think there was a television program called What Is Your Life? I don't, I don't that's all I remember about it. But, you know, people today said, there was also many years ago a song that went around, What Are You Living For? What is your life? What are you living for? For some people, it's a job. Having a specific type of work. You know, they say the kind of work that you want to do is one that you enjoy and that it doesn't seem like work to you. Well, that's contrary to the Scriptures because in the Garden of Eden it said because of the fall that you're going to labor by the sweat of your face. And notice it didn't say the sweat of your brow. You can sit in a hot room and get sweat on your forehead. But when your face starts sweating, you're laboring. You're laboring. For some people it's a particular kind of a vehicle. If I could just have this kind of car or that kind of car. I remember the first vehicle I ever bought was a brand new Ford car. And I wanted a particular color, but I was going to have to wait 
for a month because they didn't have it in stock, and so I wound up getting another color. But I thought that was something for me to buy a brand new vehicle. For some people, it's a house. For some people, it's a, a, a boy or a girl or a husband or a wife or a 401k that's going to take care of you for the rest of your life. What is it? What is it that you really want that will make you happy, content, and satisfied? What is it? What is it? This is not the life that John was talking about. John wasn't talking about a new car. Of course, they didn't have cars back then. He wasn't talking about a new chariot. He wasn't talking about things of that nature. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, beloved, if you can't be satisfied with Christ, you can't be satisfied with anything. You can't be satisfied with anything. Christ said in John chapter 11, verse 25, and John 14, 6, He said, I am the life. I am the life. How much do you delight in Christ? How much do you delight in Him? You know, people that delight in other people, that individual can walk in the room and your heart just kindly lights up. You, you know, it's just a, a joy. It's a, a delight to see you when you assemble together on the Lord's Day. It's a delight to see you. It's a joy. You know, we don't always express exactly how we feel. And uh, sometimes we might uh, uh, physically be down, uh, kind of having the mully grubs. But still, it's, it's a delight to see you. It's a delight to be here. I've heard some of you say that the, the happiest day of your life is the Lord's day because you come to the house of God. Well, that's the way it ought to be. That's the way it ought to be. And it ought to be that Jesus Christ uh, kindly lightens us up in our soul. Not physically. Not necessarily mentally, though the mental processes will be involved in it. But how often can we read in our Scriptural reading of the sufferings of Christ and it's just so many words. The life was manifested. The life was manifested. 
Again, I'll read John Gill where he said, Now as this is said of Christ, the Word of life, who is so called because He has life in Himself. Let me pause there. We don't have life in ourselves. We have to have air and water and food to live. God doesn't. And as as the second person of the Trinity, Christ didn't need it. He was life. He was life. Now, as this is said of Christ, the Word of life, who is so called because He has life in Himself as God, as the Mediator, and as man, and is the author of life, natural, spiritual, and eternal, it must be understood as He, the Word, is made manifest in the flesh, for He, as the Word, or as a divine person, or as considered in His divine nature, is not to be seen nor handled, This, therefore, is spoken of the Word or of the person of Christ, God-man, with respect to His human nature, as united to the Logos, or Word of God, and so is proof of the truth and reality of His human nature by several of the senses. You see, in, in the divine nature, we can't touch, we can't touch Jesus. You know why? He's everywhere present. But in His human nature, we can. Time, I mean, point upon point upon point. Jesus was a real human. He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't a phantom. I like what Barnes said also of the phrase, the word of life. It means the word in which life resided or which was the source and fountain of life. We cannot separate this life from the Scriptures, really. Look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Verse 29, Jesus saith unto him, that is to Thomas, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I I, I, I haven't heard John speak, have you? I didn't get to see John. I didn't get to see Jesus in the flesh. But we have His Word. We have His Word. Search the Scriptures, Jesus said. For in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of Me. 
You remember as we were going through the book of Revelation, there was one thing I kept pointing out time and time again. Though you may not understand all the prophecies and the various uh, details of the book of Revelation, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. Because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is our life. Look at Second Peter chapter chapter one. Verse sixteen, Peter said, and this is what John was saying also. We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to Him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Did you ever hear God say that? I didn't. But it's recorded for us. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with Him in the holy mount. We have also a more Sure word of prophecy. Now pause there for just a moment. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be on the Mount of Transfiguration? To have seen Jesus and Moses and Elijah in their glorified state. And Peter says, what we just read, we have something that is more sure than that. What is it? Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, beloved, the Scriptures, that Bible that you're holding in your hand or laying in your lap, is more sure than to have been with Christ on the mount. You say, well, that, 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 I just can't believe that. That's astounding. Well, I can't feel it either. But I must believe it. I don't understand it. I don't comprehend it. But if you want to see Christ, if you want to handle Him, if you want to hear Him, among other things, 
which we'll get to throughout the epistle. Handle him in the word of God. See him. Hear him by the hearing of faith. Thomas, you've seen and believed. Blessed are they that believe and have not seen. That would have been something to have been at the Red Sea to have seen that depart. Everybody walking across on dry land. The Egyptian army being overwhelmed. To have been at Mount Sinai and heard a, a trumpet sound loud and long, it said. To have been at the Jordan when it was overflowing at the banks as it were and yet the waters parted. Elijah walking up to the river of Jordan and took his coat as it were and slapped the water and it departed. Elisha throwing a stick out in the, in, in the pool of water in a the axe head swimming up to the stick. Wouldn't there have been something to behold? Or walking with Christ to the tomb of Lazarus and hearing Him say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, bound up with the grave clothes, comes floating out of that tomb. Wouldn't that have been something to behold? Or standing there on the Mount of Olives and seeing our Lord go up into the heavens and a cloud receiving Him out of their sight. Wouldn't that have been something to behold? And Peter says, we've got something better than that. Better than these things. The Word of God. You want to handle the Lord? You want to hear the Lord? You want to, 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 to taste and see? As Peter said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is gracious. You want to taste of the Lord? You want to feast upon Him? It's found in the Word. It's found in the Word. Is found in the Word. And you remember that the word word, the Greek word for word is logos. You've heard that so often. You probably already know that. And you remember John 1, the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, without Him was not anything made that was made. And then John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But listen to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. 
Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, prophets, but notice verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. Now I know I pointed this out before, but I can't help but do it again. Notice the word His in italics. Added by the translators. And the word by there is the Greek word en or in. Let's read it that way. Hath in these last days spoken unto us in Son. Does that make sense? Well, how do I speak to you in English? How does God speak to us in Christ? In His Son. Speaks to us in Son. You want to know the things of God? You want to know what God would have you to know? Know Christ. Know Christ. This is your life. This is your life. I remember what that program was about now. They get people. They would uh, get people to come uh, to some unexpected place, and then uh, I think the man's name was Ralph Edwards. And he would tell people that what their life story was. You know, have uh, people like Roy Rogers and uh, some of the famous people and catch them there off, but kind of give their biography. Well, your life is more than you. Your life is Christ. What am I living for? Jesus Christ. What is my life? Jesus Christ. For the life was manifested. And we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Well, we'll say more about that, Lord willing, this afternoon. But if you don't get anything else out of what we have tried to em, uh, emphasize to you, to know what eternal life is, to know what salvation is, is to know Christ. Is to know Christ. And He was real. Just as real as you are sitting in the pew or me standing here. He was real. He is real. Not just was. He came forth out of the grave. He ascended back to glory. And beloved, you're going to get to see Him. 
because every knee is going to bow someday before Him and be judged. Either cast into a lake of fire or to be with Him in glory. But you're going to see Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. And the profundity of the things that we have been talking about so often it sounds just like empty words. But we know they're not. We know that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. It's not by our feelings. It's not how we feel about something. Yes, sometimes you visit us in a unique way and cause our cups to overflow. And I want to thank you for that. I really do. I don't want to minimize that. But at the same time, we must realize the reality of who we are in the world in which we live and that it is a walk by faith and not by sight. And I pray that these truths are so embedded in our souls that whatever we're faced, we will not give them up. We will cherish them and hold them close to our bosom and serve You with all fullness as much as lies within us. Yea, as one man said, O McShane, that we might serve you and love you as much as a sinful man can. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.